Hello and welcome to the Robert's Thoughts MovieCast. This is the first episode in a long, long time. But uh, there was there was good reason to do it, I think. And that's because there's a new movie called The Batman. You might have heard of it. And I wanted to talk about it. And so did my brother, Jake. So Jake's here to talk about The Batman with me. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm really excited to talk about it. We haven't done something like this in a while. Yeah, I'm excited too. Um, maybe we'll do some more of it going forward. Uh, for those of you listening who've listened to the podcast before, this is going to be a very irregular thing. It's just a way for me and whoever I want to talk to to get our thoughts out on whatever the topic is going to be. So this Batman episode's coming out now, and then you can also expect in a couple of weeks uh, an Oscars podcast. We're going to be talking about the 2022 Oscars. Uh, just me and a couple guests who you'll have introduced when I have them on. But yeah, uh, for now, we're here to talk about the Batman, like I said. This is the newest DC reboot. Um, we don't. I don't want to get too much into the continuity of it all because there is none. It was originally supposed to be the Ben Affleck directed and starring movie, but that got shelved after a lot of different reasons. It ended up just being Matt Reeves directed, starring Robert Pattinson as Batman, and then a whole host of other actors as supporting players. We're going to go positives negatives and then spoilers so if you're listening and haven't seen the movie you can listen until we say spoilers so you're safe for now let's actually start with just our overall thoughts not going to get into positive or negatives just yet just what did you think of the movie as a whole i think my initial impressions were kind of along the lines of like it was a long movie but a good movie with mostly justified reasons for its length it was enjoyable to watch i never had a point where i was like this is stupid i hate this or Hmm. anything like that so my overall thoughts are like pretty solid uh i would say the same thing though i might be a little bit higher on it than you are because coming out of it that was my main thing was the length Mm -hmm. um and we saw this together so that was the first thing that we were talking about was what could they cut Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know right i think as i've thought back on it I definitely, I definitely like it. I put it at three and a half stars out of five on Letterboxd, and I could see that going up to a four in the future. You don't have to give a rating, but that's just how I like to think about it. I'll jump in real quick and just agree with you. Like the more I sit and kind of chew on it and let it percolate, I enjoy it more in like the aftertaste versus like when I was sitting mm-hmm. through it. Yeah, because that was the thing with Spider-Man with No Way Home. That they're not comparable in most ways. But I had a lot of complicated thoughts after watching Spider-Man for the first time. And what was that? Like two twenty, two and a half hours, something like that. Yeah. And after I saw that, I was going to do a different podcast. So before I could collect all of my thoughts to do an, a podcast on that, I needed to see it again. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have any problem going out to the theater to, <laughs> to go watch Spider-Man No Way Home again. But apparently that extra 30 minutes just makes a big difference because... I would like to have seen it again before having this conversation, but I just couldn't on top of just being busy. Like if I was free every night for the next seven days, I don't know if I would want to go back and watch it again, even though I enjoyed my experience. Yeah. I think the length is a good place to start with this conversation. It isn't like boring at any times, but there's just so much. Mm -hmm. The villain here is the Riddler and people have been talking about, how this is finally Batman being a detective. This is finally him showing that he's the world's greatest detective, yada, yada, yada. 
And to an extent, I agree with that. But this is something that you actually pointed out to me that I didn't really think about in my immediate afterthoughts. But when we were standing in the lobby in the theater, you said a lot of people have been saying this is a detective movie, but he doesn't really do a lot of detecting. It's just he gets his riddles, talks about it with Alfred or Jim Gordon, mm-hmm. and then, and then they, knows where to find the next riddle. And it just happens like eight times. Yeah, the Riddler basically gives him the answers to every single one of the riddles, and they move on. And Batman, at various points, doesn't even solve the riddles correctly. <laughs> we'll come back to that that point, but you're right. And the reason I bring that up is because you could have cut some of the riddles, and then... The movie started with three different Gotham City officials being killed. You could have cut at least one of those because like I don't think each one like added anything significant to the story. Like it's not like this one added one aspect to Batman's psyche. This one added something else. This one addressed some it was just like the Riddler is killing these Gotham City officials and it's a big deal. I feel like there was stuff to be cut. There was extra fat that could have been trimmed. Yeah, I I agree with you. Especially, like, I think it was the second official. They just kind of glossed over it, and uh, then well, they you're process, right. Yeah, they processed that. Now it's it's time to move on to the next one. I think as to me as like the movie progressed and it got into like the second and the third act, the continuity and the ability of the story to like seamlessly weave together stands on like thinner and thinner ice. Maybe what I'm saying is the first act is a really tightly well-written act. And then mm. as you move into the second and the third, it almost felt like they had to take more leaps into your suspension of disbelief. And they had to take more time to be like, this would kind of work in some situations, but not in others. So just bear with us while we get to the end of the story. You know? Yeah. Unless you have any other thoughts on the length. And I I agree with what you're saying. Um, I think the length fits both into the positives and negatives. (laughs) Because, like, there's a lot about it. Like, I liked so much of what was happening in the movie. Um, And there were, like, a lot of thrilling set pieces. And uh, I like seeing so much Batman. And I like seeing him solve the riddles and all of that. Mm Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there was a this is this is where a second viewing would have helped. But I remember there was like a specific coming out of the movie. There was a specific stretch where I was like, that was where I was bored. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what what it was. Oh, you know what? I do remember what it was. And I could say it in spoilers. I'm not going to say it now. Um, but there was a specific stretch towards the third act, like the back third of the movie where I was like, all right, I am kind of bored and I'm ready for this to start wrapping up because there is. Like you were saying, there are so many different threads and everything was weaving together. And it was just like, oh, man, you're trying to do so much stuff here. And a lot of it's working, but a lot of it is kind of falling flat. Yeah, like the the story they wanted to tell, I think, was very well suited to a longer length feature film, but maybe not as long as they had it. Right. And that's that's what I was getting at with cutting out some of the riddles or cutting out, you know, a couple of the de- one or two of the deaths or not two. I think they could have just cut out one. Yeah. But let's get into the positives, like stuff that we unequivocally thought was good. Um, and there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I'll start by saying I, I loved Batman's arc. I, I think a lot of people are going to be, it's going to be a little jarring for a lot of people. In every other Batman, or live action Batman at least, you have like Christian Bale or Ben Affleck or even 
the Keaton Clooney Kilmer, they're they're Batman when they're in the Batman suit, but then they're the rich playboy when they're Bruce Wayne. He is not that at all. He's not the rich playboy whatsoever. Yeah, this is he's Bruce Wayne. It's it's very much Batman putting on the mask of Bruce Wayne when he needs to, rather than Bruce right. Wayne putting on the mask of Batman when he needs to. Going in, like I had read some stuff about that, and I was like, oh man, I'm not looking for like emo Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. But for what it, for the overall story arc and what and character arc and what it went for, I ended up really really loving it. Um, and I think Pattinson is great, especially as Batman. He doesn't get a lot of space to uh, to flex his acting muscles as Bruce, but as Batman, I think he's really really great. Yeah, that was maybe. One of the things I would have commented on was like, I didn't really get the chance to see Pattinson wow me with Bruce Wayne, but I definitely agree that like the version of Batman they were going for, he pulled it off pretty well. There is one specific scene again that's a spoiler that I'll get to, right? That I loved him uh, as Bruce Wayne, mm-hmm. and and like I said, I'll mention that when we go into spoilers, but. For the most part, he just doesn't have a lot to do. And and that's fine because I like Batman, and, you know, and it, this movie definitely gives you a lot of Batman. But like even Batman Begins or The Dark Knight, you know, they have Batman in the title, but there's a lot of Bruce Wayne, mm-hmm. which I don't mind. And I think it works well enough for those movies. And I'm really not trying to do the compare it to the other stuff, but sure, just to just to give context for what's going on in this. I think the two major positives for me are the themes and the aesthetic of the movie. So by themes, you kind of already touched on what I was talking about with Batman's arc as a character. It's not something you really always expect to see very well done in a superhero movie is a Mm -hmm. good character arc. But I thought that they did that very well in this movie, as well as one of the, the obvious themes, I think, in the movie, but one that worked very well was this constant theme of renewal, mm-hmm. which is kind of very obviously shown in various parts of the movie's movie. Rather. Um, but that just also lends itself to Batman's arc where he essentially renews himself as a character. A lot of the movie, it makes you think about things rather than just being a flashy representation of a superhero, which is something I am appreciating more and more as I'm maturing film critic but the other thing i liked about this movie was the aesthetic gotham felt very grimy very crimey very dark i thought the batman suit was a well done rendition of it even though it's another version of an armored suit and we don't get that yeah the fun spandex but overall it was just that very gothic feel that you I don't think that we've been getting as much from Batman lately. And that's kind of harkening Live back. action Batman, at least. Yeah. Yep. There's some wonderful cinematography I noticed in this movie uh, that really struck a chord with me. I don't want to, again, spoil it. Maybe we can talk about that in our spoilers. I agree with everything you're saying. I always appreciate when a movie is able to incorporate all its aspects to make each other better. You were talking about renewal. One of the main themes, like any good story about Gotham City, mm-hmm. is how it's full of corruption and it's it's like basically purgatory and it's evil, you know. And there's like it does a good job of addressing the the darkness of Gotham City and what would create someone like Batman. 
And it does that through its aesthetics, through this gothic feel, because it shows just like how dark and broody and, you know, it, it, it gets that mood very well. And I love the way that it incorporates that into the theme of renewal and fighting back against the corruption. I think everything works together really well, Mm -hmm. uh, including all the stuff that you were saying. Regarding the themes, especially about Batman, Batman himself, like the character of Batman, wonders whether... Actually, he he admits that he's not helping Gotham. This is a a noir movie. It's like the, the old black and white detective movies with voiceover and Batman or Bruce Wayne... He keeps a journal about every night as Batman mm-hmm. and you hear the voiceover of those journal entries. And he says he's been doing it for two years and crime has gone up since he started doing it. Crime has gone up in Gotham. I love the idea of is Batman actually needed? Like what kind of good is he providing? Is this only an outlet for him to 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 get out his anger and his rage? Or is this is he actually doing this for the betterment of Gotham? And uh, again, this will be a fairly substantial spoiler section, but we could address this more in spoilers. Mm -hmm. But I love that idea. Yeah, I totally uh, agree with what you're saying. And I know we've been mainly focusing on just Batman, but I think a lot of the other characters, they either contribute very well to his character arc or have, you know, miniature well-done character arcs of their own. I think the biggest arcs that we see is jim gordon's character he has to go through this like trial by fire of realizing that the life he's living definitely isn't like that happy-go-lucky police life that he thought it was he's not enacting the the goodness that he thought he would be able to right so everybody's kind of learning lessons as they're going along which is definitely a theme of like just a two-year Batman versus like Batman who's been doing it for 15 years or something like that. Yeah, I, I'm glad that you brought up Gordon because I think Jeffrey Wright is great. Um, one of my favorite scenes in the movie is it showcases that basically Batman and Gordon have this like partnership. Actually, two of my favorite scenes. One one involves a thumb drive. <laughs> That's one of my favorite scenes. <laughs> and then the, <laughs> the one that I was actually that I was initially thinking of was when Batman gets brought to gcpd mm-hmm. not to help but because the cops are trying to arrest him because jim gordon is the only one who likes batman at this point in his uh time as batman right so there has to be a elaborate escape and the two of them work together and that i think i thought that was a great scene it speaks a little bit to another maybe one more positive i'll mention is mm-hmm. their relationship is like perfectly chaotically humorous but dark Mm -hmm. and i think that the movie handles the marriage of not comedy but like dark humor very well in a way that i feel dc has been trying to get a grasp on but just hasn't understood yet for a long time and i think that this movie either is a representation of them moving forward in a positive way at a studio or just getting good writers on for this particular film yeah you're right um, I think it it feels natural. You have to have a, sen- a, a sense of self-awareness when you're making a superhero movie. Mm-hmm. This is a guy that dresses up as a bat to fight bad guys. But you can still take yourself seriously, and it toes that line perfectly. Just to bring it back to what we were talking about with Batman and Gordon, we, haven't, we mentioned that, that the Riddler was the villain, but we haven't talked about him as 
a character and like how he was. You haven't mentioned him. So is he a negative for you? No, I think this also harkens back to our discussion of the length and just how much there was in the movie because you could spend the whole time focusing on Batman because it's a Batman movie, but I guess how do you have Batman without the villain? So the Riddler doesn't fit your classic description of what you think the Riddler should be if you're like a, a 60s Batman fan or something like that or yeah. even a comic or book Jim fan. Carrey. Right. I think he's he's well written enough that you don't just look at him and be like, what is this character? And I almost felt like Paul Dano, when he isn't under the mask of the Riddler, could have gone even further. I feel like he could have sold the character more at certain points. The part where he gets me the most is when, uh, maybe I shouldn't mention this, but there's a specific conversation that he has with Batman near the end of the movie where he's upset about something. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that is, I think, the best like Paul Dano face-to-face Riddler moment. So that's kind of my initial thoughts on the Riddler. So for me, coming out of the movie, I have him up there with the Heath Ledger Joker. Okay. I really, I really loved him. And that has a lot to do with the fact that I've loved Paul Dano for a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that was the last moment of the movie that I was like, super on board until the last few moments because i think we'll get into this soon but after that scene it kind of loses its way Mm -hmm. leading into the final big battle at the end right but my favorite part about the riddler and why i loved him as a villain (laughs) is what he stands for and what he means for batman you know because the what you always want in a villain is to bring something out in your hero the Riddler is convinced that he and Batman stand for the same things. The idea that Batman creates his own villains and like he's the reason that there's all these crazy psychos in Gotham City is just so fascinating to me and I love that. Batman inspired the Riddler, who then, very slight spoilers, goes and inspires basically a bunch of incels to go out and be violent. This is a movie that says, similar to something like Black Panther, where... The villain has legitimate things to say, legitimate critiques of the system, whatever system that might be. And in the Batman, it's systemic corruption, uh, especially in the police force and among the rich and powerful. Except he just takes it too far. He takes it way too far. And that's, that's really what I love about it. He incites violence, and that's what you don't want. <laughs> that's obviously a terrible thing. Right. Um, He's almost... Just another example of how that system he's critiquing has also failed him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, If people are familiar with the Batman story, um, I think it's Killing Joke, where Joker tells Batman that you're just one bad day away from being me. That's kind of perfectly exemplified in the character of the Riddler for this movie as well. Riddler had that bad day, but he didn't turn it to Batman. He turned it to something a lot worse. There's a reason for that, and that's what Catwoman Zoe Kravitz says is... She can just tell he's rich mm-hmm. just by his the interactions and, of course, I'm sure by his armor and gadgets and all that. But, like, he's rich and that's why he was fine. You know, everyone's worried about Bruce Wayne when his parents get killed, not the the uh, children's home that they stop funding because they're dead. You know, right. not, not, the, not the kids who are going to lose out on a future. I, I really love the 
the interplay, and this, we're tiptoeing hard around spoilers here. I love the interplay between Batman and Riddler. Before we move into negatives, I want to say just a couple more positives. Uh, I want to say the action was was great, and that should come as no surprise with Matt Reeves as director again. Matt Reeves does a great job of doing one-take shots, like long shots. Like in Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, he has like a one-shot from the cockpit of a tank that's like spinning around while there's like explosions and all that going on and it's insane it's great and then he did a, a horror movie i think about 2010 called let it let me in and there's a car crash and the camera is positioned in the back seat of the car crash and it stays steady as the car is rolling around and the people and passengers are flying around inside the car and it's just like insane to look at and he does that again here from um the point of view of the when, penguin, right? The penguin, yeah. During that, the only Batmobile chase, I should say. He just knows how to shoot action and shoot it well. So, after the Ben Affleck Batman action is actually really good, but the the action in the Dark Knight movies is pretty terrible. <laughs> like it's it's just not very good. So it's just nice to see that they've gotten Batman action right, like recently since the end of the Dark Knight movies. Yeah, I think um, for choreography for Christian Bale, they just told him to flail his elbows around and just kind of <laughs> exactly. <went> with it. <laughs> it's like, what's your fighting style? Elbows. <laughs> elbows and uh, knees. <laughs> exactly. The music is also very good, even though it just seems like renditions on Ave Maria and the- Something in the Way by Nirvana. It still fits the emo <laughs> feeling of that Bruce Wayne. I did notice that in all of like the really tense scenes, it played the same three like cello notes or something over and over Mm -hmm. again and that got a little boring a little fast but other than that i agree with you it's the boom 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 yeah i think it played nonstop through the first 15 minutes of the movie so even when it wasn't playing i thought it was playing in the background of my head anyway i did listen to the whole score today just while doing while i was working Mm -hmm. and uh it's two hours long and normally when I listen to a, to the score of a movie that I really liked, I'll be adding songs to my playlist here and there. But I only added a couple from this one because it's all just so repetitive. Yeah, I want to that the the song they play several times throughout the movie. I wanted to add to one of my playlists. It's like they played it while they uh, were airlifting people off the top of the stadium. Yeah, it's something in the way by Nirvana. Oh, okay. And then the last thing I want to mention, we talked about how good Pattinson is, talked about how good uh, Paul Dano is, Jeffrey Wright is great, Zoe Kravitz is also very good, uh, mentioned her briefly. I, I really do like Anne Hathaway's Catwoman. Um, I've only seen Batman Return Returns once, um, and I don't really care for it, so I don't really have a lot to say about Michelle Pfeiffer. I, I like Anne Hathaway and Zoe Kravitz like equally. They're both perfect for the movies that they're in, even though... This one is a lot better than <laughs> Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> then Colin Farrell as the Penguin, which is just insane that it's him. Because anytime someone's in that sort of makeup or something like that, I'm always trying to look for them in the makeup. Like I try to look for Heath Ledger's face under the Joker makeup, um, which is very different than the Penguin. But like mm-hmm. he, he's completely disappeared into this. And I, I love Colin Farrell. I agree. I Coming off of... I think I've seen him in like Fantastic Beasts, so obviously I haven't mm-hmm. seen him in 
anything else, but looking for like the slipped back hair and the shaved sides and stuff, he just completely is gone in there. So I thought it was pretty fun. Um, I like that the penguin is was like six foot tall or something like that, and he's usually this four foot eleven, yeah, round ball of a person. Yeah, they do a good job of making their own version of the penguin. And I've said to Laura a few times in the last few days, she'll probably even hear me yell this down the hall. Whoa, take it easy, sweetheart. <laughs> I love that so much. Hey, Chief. Yeah, he's called him Chief throughout. Like, I just, I love, he he was the comedic relief for me. Like, everything that he says was hilarious. It was great. At one point, Batman ties up, he ties his ankles together, and he's actually waddling as he's trying to walk. <laughs> so I love that, too. Yeah, uh, I mean, talking about the Penguin, too, maybe I'll mention this in, in the positives. All of the gangsters and the mob bosses are, at points, legitimately likable characters, I think. Hmm. Which they shouldn't be, because they're bad people. But you get this juxtaposition of how they act when they're scared of Batman versus like how they act when they're in public settings and they actually have to talk to Bruce Wayne, which I also thought was mm. really well done because one, the acting range of the characters or the, of the actors rather is shown, but also just the characterization I thought is really well done too. Yeah. So John Turturro is Carmine Falcone. <laughs> You're right. He's great also. Um, and he's very different than Tom Wilkinson in Batman Begins where he's like, you think just because your mommy and your daddy got shot you know the hard side of life, but you don't. <laughs> like he, that 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 Falcone rules by fear, and he rules by intimidation. Where you're right, you may that was a good point. Where this the John Turturro Falcone is just uh, he's on it. He's ever in in the public's good graces while being a mob boss. Mm-hmm. Of course, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention my favorite Andy Circus because. Lord of the Rings, and he's and I'll always love anyone um, associated with Lord of the Rings, especially anyone as talented and as great as Andy Serkis. He doesn't get much to do. I think the Michael Caine Batman again. All these comparisons to other Batman movies, but just for context, I'm not trying to say what's better, even though I did say this one's much better than Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> Michael Caine gets the most to do as Alfred, and Andy Serkis gets what like four or five scenes total in the three-hour movie, mm-hmm. but. I like him. I like this version of Alfred. He's Andy Serkis. I can't not like him. Yeah. Yeah, that's everything I had through positives. Um, Like I said, overall, I really did like this movie. So as we get into some of our bigger negatives, I don't want it to come across like we're complaining or anything because we really did like the movie. Mm -hmm. Let's see. I'll I'll let you go first. What's your first negative? I think I kind of mentioned this before. It's just like the varying level of story quality i saw was like i said the first act of the movie was a really tightly written movie but then as you get i think further into the third act maybe is where it starts to waver a little bit but i also don't want to give away any spoilers so i'm not gonna i think another thing they honestly could have used one or two more set pieces like they spent a lot of time at the iceberg lounge yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. There's that shot. There's the same similar shot of Bruce Wayne or Batman trying to get into the iceberg lounge like three or four different times. Yeah, there's the same camera angle, even zoomed out, like underneath a bridge where you can see the the doors to the iceberg lounge. And mm-hmm. 
so maybe I got a little tired of that or the, the tiny bit of the Batcave that we get to see in the same Wayne Tower drawing room. Yeah, you're right. You don't get much of a sense of how big Wayne Tower is. Though I do get the sense that the Batcave really is just that small little area where it was like the computer and a, a spot to park the car. Uh, I mean, the Batmobile. You kind of hit on my biggest negative is that this is just a crime movie with Batman and it doesn't, like you said, it doesn't have like the Batman action. It's just like Batman's trying to find the Zodiac killer. That is cool and fun to an extent and it makes for a good movie, but maybe it's unfair to be judging it as a Batman movie instead of as a movie. But like the only reason I'll ever come back to this is because of Batman the plot and the mysteries and all that just isn't appealing to me, but I just like watching things with Batman and I, and I rewatch the Batman movies that I don't even think are that good. Namely like dark Knight rises or the nineties the Batman. It's just because I like Batman and I like seeing him in action. Right. So I'll watch this again in the future, probably many times, but only because I like seeing Batman and not because the mystery is that compelling to me. They almost could have made this film like a, a 007 film or a Jason Bourne film and had it be the complete story, the complete same story, the complete same, you know, characters and villain and just switched out the popular hero. Right, just switch out the names. Yeah, there's no real sense besides, oh, it's set in Gotham and oh, there's a Batmobile and stuff. There's no like, you know, Batman's not fighting Mr. Freeze or Poison Ivy or something like that. Yeah, see, yes, that is my main problem, and I struggle with this because my whole thing is that I like to engage movies on their own terms. So, like, Man of Steel, for example, it's not the traditional Superman, and that's what the the general audience is, why they didn't really connect to it, because it's not like that hopeful red, white, and blue Superman that everyone's always, always uh, come to expect and gotten used to, and why people like Superman in the first place. But for me, I just say, like, here's a movie using this character of Superman. So I'm going to just watch it. But at the same time with the Batman, it's just like, I want you to lean into Batman stuff and not even go further down the gritty realism line than Nolan did. You know, like, Nolan was gritty realism, but it still had Scarecrow's fear toxins in the first one and Bane, you know, the League of Shadows and all that kind of stuff. This one is just like, we are taking out any fantastical elements. So I'm curious to see if they could incorporate Mr. Freeze or Poison Ivy or someone like that. Because I'd love to see that. I would love, I love those characters. And I'd love to see them incorporated. And they do it well, like in the Arkham series. Yeah. While still keeping it adult and mature. But there, it seems like this movie's priority isn't adult and mature, but grounded and real. Yeah, I feel like they would struggle down the line to even incorporate something like the Lazarus pit from the league of shadows or something that brings people back to life or that's never coming in this. I'm sure. So, so for me, it's just like going against my, my own uh, principles when it comes to watching movies, but it's like encountering a superhero movie like this, you kind of have to take everything into account and that's what I'm doing. And I'm like, they're trying very hard to make it serious and realistic, which, and they succeeded at that. 
you know, like they did a good job of what they were going out to do tonally and, and aesthetically. It's just not necessarily what I'm interested in. So I think that's how I could reconcile it. <laughs> right. It's just like, this wasn't what I was interested in, but they did a good job at I, uh, doing it. I think at the end of the day, I can kind of see that Warner Bros. kind of give up and they're like, okay, just make a good Batman movie. Exactly. And we don't care anymore. <laughs> We're tired of this. Just make a good Batman movie. And I think they succeeded in doing that. Yeah, they did. We talked about how this isn't like the detective movie that everyone thinks. It's just like, yeah, it's, he he's picked, does some riddles and goes one by one. He's picking up clues, and then the riddler goes, "You don't understand? Okay, well, I'll give you another clue." <laughs> right, like there's a scene. This is semi-spoilerish, but it's still fairly early in the movie. There's a scene when someone has a bomb attached to their neck, and Riddler says, "You need to." get these three riddles correct and then I'll disarm the bomb. And I thought that the person with the bomb attached to their neck was going to have to answer the riddles, but no Batman was able to do them. Like I was like, whatever, it's fine. But it's not like Batman's analyzing bullet casings and fingerprints and looking at where the blood falls on the floor and all this kind of stuff, which he does like a bit, like he finds where, the Riddler hid his cards with the riddles on it, but it's mostly just like finding the card and then thinking about the answer to the riddle to get to the next one. I think people think they want that, but then if they spent a three-hour movie watching Batman do that, they would get bored out of their minds. So the director and the story writers have to actively find out how to make you think you're in a detective movie while engaging you at the same time. So... For all intents and purposes, it's a more detective-y movie, Batman, sure. than like Ben Affleck is or something like that. This one isn't really what I'm looking for in a Batman movie, but that's what they were going for and they succeeded. Yeah. You know, like, I'm looking for more of something that feels like Arkham or Telltale. Um, and I sh- it's pretty late for a disclaimer, but I should say that I've never been a comics reader, but I've always been a Batman media consumer. So whether that's TV shows, movies toys which isn't media but like i'm always into everything about batman other than the comics for whatever reason i'm not saying comics are bad i know people get upset i'm just saying i've just never gotten into comics but i've always been into batman i think the rest of the negatives i might i have would get more into spoiler territory my my biggest thing was like chaff and stuff like that you know cutting out unnecessary plot points and all of that but there wasn't i didn't come out of the movie immediately saying i hated this part of the movie yeah me either it was just like i have i definitely have some problems like it's a bit messy especially in its plotting and storytelling and it's way too long but we spent so much time talking about positives and that i think those positives way outweigh the negatives um the last thing i'll mention in negatives before we get into spoilers is that the riddler did the riddler make these cards (laughs) <laughs> that's what I, I was wondering that throughout the whole movie is like you don't you wouldn't find those in a hallmark section at a right. cvs <laughs> but it to, i guess it kind of fits the character of the riddler he's just he's insane and he obviously spends all this time in his little apartment like mm-hmm. doing spoilery stuff and whatnot so um, i guess he had the time on his hands 
to hand make these beautifully dark cards. To make these little clever cards with riddles and little cartoon characters. <laughs> it's it's not something you would give your grandson for his birthday, that's for sure. Right, right. Yeah. Um yeah, uh, to be clear, that's not a negative for me. I just wanted to throw out that one last <laughs> spoiler thought. It's just like a fun little thought I had. Yeah. Um, or I think I have another. How old is the Riddler supposed to be? The Waynes were dead for 20 years by the time this happened. Yeah. And I think the Riddler said he was 12 years old or something. He's probably late 20s, early 30s. Like, I, he's the same age as Batman, so how, whatever that is. I know that because of a reason that I'll say in spoilers. Um, so then, for those of you listening, consider this your spoiler warning. We will be getting into full spoilers and saying everything that happens at the end of this movie. And if you do not want to know what happens until you've already seen it, please exit your podcast player and come back once you have watched. Spoiler warning, over. Uh, so what I was just referencing just then was that he ha- the Riddler had those pictures up in his wall on his wall in his apartment of like who is the batman and he hates the waynes how did he not put it together that bruce wayne is batman (laughs) (laughs) he's supposed to be so smart like i i'm trying not to get into nitpicky like cinema sins brain but that is like pretty glaring to me i guess in the grand scheme of things figuring out who batman was didn't seem to be his main focus. So him having that little scribble on the wall that says, who is the Batman maybe represents like a day's worth of thinking for him. I that's, that's kind of how I like reconcile it, you know? Well, I kind of disagree because like it was written in big letters on the wall. And then I don't know to me, it was like, that seemed like one of his main things. So I feel like it's, kind of typical of Batman villains to not really care who Batman is because they care about Batman and not Bruce Wayne slash unidentified alias of Batman. So I guess it's fine. It's just like a weird little nitpick. The moment that I was talking about where I was kind of ready for the movie to speed up and and wrap up was when Catwoman finds out that Falcone is her father or when she brings that up that Falcone is her father and then decides to go confront him and all of that. That's when I was just like, all right, I don't really see how this uh, affects the larger story. Like, what does it have to do with the corruption or Bruce's Bruce's transition from vengeance to hope? You know, like, that's where I was like, all right, I'm a little bit bored here. I guess that was the, um, the movie's device for getting the rat out into the light. There's a lot of instances where the Riddler has Batman do things for him that uh, the Riddler himself totally could have done, but maybe that was more the Riddler's way of like proving his point to Gotham instead of just you know killing everybody in the quickest way possible. Yeah, he he was doing it like one death per day, like trying to get his message out there. So yeah, what else? We we kept talking about the third act. It's just like the <laughs> one of the. So glossing over the fact that the Riddler has seven vans placed at key points of the seawall to blow them up and flood the city. The moment you have these panned out shots of the flood floodwaters rushing through Gotham and killing a bunch of people, I was immediately like, oh, it's just another superhero film yeah. with mass death, and they're going to gloss over that. 
is there is there a way to tell the same story without you know thousands of people dying and just being like oh that happened well whatever well there has to be some sort of repercussions no yeah you are there has to be some sort of repercussions in whatever future movies but to me that just like you're doing the whole grounded realist uh, realistic thing for the whole movie and then all of a sudden you're flooding all of gotham due to explosions and all of that like it's a little disparate with uh like the th- the two tones don't really match and then the big action set piece at the end is like bruce's or batman is fighting in the rafters against all the riddler incels and it goes from realistic to heightened pretty quickly yeah that's that was kind of my main complaint i've been talking about the whole time is like the inconsistency of in the beginning your surrealism and then I don't know if this, the writing is lazy at the end or if it's just like this is the only way they saw how their story could resolve itself. Yeah, I don't know what else they could have done. Um, it, ju- it just seems so tacked on because when Batman gets the Riddler in prison, you think, all right, it's done. We got him. But of course, he's a Batman villain, so he always has something else up his sleeve. And then there's like a whole extra thing without the Riddler and without Penguin. Like he's not even fighting the the main villain. He's just fighting a bunch of goons. You know, like it's... And the, none of them yelled, it's the freaking bat! And I wanted to hear that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's like sort of an underwhelming wrap-up. Yeah, you're. I, I agree. It's, it's like uh, they lead the Riddler off in cuffs and then the Batman has to go talk to him. And when the, the when the Riddler says, you haven't figured out everything yet, I knew, I was like, okay, there's going to be more explosions because what else would there be? But I was more expecting, the Riddler is smart enough to know that like the top cops in Gotham would be in his apartment, right? So why wouldn't he just rig yeah. that whole place to blow? That's what I thought his endgame was going to be. But maybe that wasn't his whole MO because he wanted to take out the newly elected mayor too and all of that. But he just goes through a very elaborate way of doing it. Like the riddles were all elaborate and just like over the top, but they were still intricate and planned out. And then all of a sudden you're flooding the city. (laughs) It's just, like I said, I think we're kind of repeating ourselves at this point. On a positive spoilery note, the cinematography I mentioned earlier the my favorite shots from the film are actually in regards to the flooding of all things mm. is when uh, batman is leading people out of the stadium with a flare yeah so that's what i, I was about to get to yeah okay um and also the rooftop shots and the most touching moment is a grime covered batman like telling someone it's okay to let go of his hand for them to be medevaced so weirdly enough, we're complaining about the third act so much, but that's where I got like the best movie feels or whatever. Right. So we we started off saying we loved his character arc. The reason I do is because of where it ends up in this whole flooding sequence. Because by the end, even though it got there super messily and the action was questionable when he kept getting shot and <laughs> just like running straight towards the 
the bad guys with with shotguns is just like, all right, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. You gotta be smarter than this after getting shot straight on twice. Um, you're right. He cuts himself off from that rope. And I saw someone online describing it as his baptism. You know, he got rid of that sin, that moniker of I'm vengeance. And he comes out as I couldn't, I, I was looking, I was, I couldn't find the exact monologue online yet. So it's only been out for five days or whatever, right. but he's talking about how he can't be vengeance anymore. He needs to be hope. He needs to inspire good. Um, he has, Oh, and the, the other scene I wanted to mention was the one with Alfred in the hospital where Bruce admits that the thing that he was afraid of was loss again. And seeing Alfred in that spot made him realize that um, if he lost Alfred, he would truly be alone and who knows where he would go. I really, really love that scene. That was my favorite scene of the movie. Mm-hmm. It, it finally unlocks something for Bruce about his own humanity. And he takes yeah, that yeah. going forward and then is able to, like you were talking about, able to lead people out with the flare, able to be hope, able to uh, save the kid and show, like, if he hadn't made this transition, the kid could have done, gone down the same dark path, but now he's showing, look, there's hope. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that so much. Yeah, that was one of the things I liked about it is like, there's the two main juxtapositions of this movie I think are between Batman and the Riddler and Batman and the child of the mayor because the Riddler is what Batman could have been and the child is what Batman was and then Batman is what Batman is. It's almost a story of Batman trying to make sure that kid doesn't end up where the Riddler is and there's that Mm -hmm. theme of renewal again and that theme of hope Um, and then The other thing I wanted to mention on your Batman being vengeance thing is I think the other thing that kind of snaps him out of it is when the Riddler incel, they ask him who he is and he goes, I am vengeance. Yeah. Batman is like, that's why I can't be vengeance because this is what vengeance is. It's 500 incels shooting into a crowd of people and that's not inspiring at all. That's not good, you know? Yeah, and that's why... There's been no sequel announced, but that's why I'm excited for what could potentially come in a sequel, because I think he could do good and uh, promote hope as Batman, which he's obviously resolved to do. And there's there's so much that happens in this movie, but there's a whole storyline about how his parents were somewhat corrupt and uh, they got bought off and all this kind of stuff. So as Bruce Wayne, I think he could be the Bruce Wayne that we've gotten used to you know the playboy bruce wayne but also one with good philanthropy you know i could see him renewing the renewal project (laughs) and uh putting it into effect the way that it was originally supposed to be because it was stopped dead in his tracks as as soon as his father was killed and he's not going to let that happen again that seems to be what he's resolved to do at least i just love that idea that's i think that's kind of why like the more i chew on this movie the more it's a movie, I don't necessarily have to like watch it again, but it makes me feel good. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's that's because of some of those like very obvious, very overt themes and comparisons that you can make between characters that are obvious but well done. Whereas, 
maybe I have to go back and watch the Christopher Nolan Batman movies or something like that. But I don't get a lot of that feeling watching other superhero movies. And that's why I don't really love superhero movies because Mm -hmm. they're all big set pieces based on comic books that I like. But a lot of the reasons that I like those comic books is because they make you think. And the superhero movies never really do that for you. And I think this one hits that spot for me. Whereas for you, you might have wanted to Mm -hmm. see a different version of it. Like I said, I'm bordering on four stars, which is very good. It's just that I'm kind of tired of just like, oh, we're dark and gritty. Mm -hmm. At the same time, what they did with the dark and gritty was so, so good. Yeah. Um, I recently did a video on Man of Steel. Bruce Wayne slash Batman story arc is very similar to the Clark Kent slash Superman arc in Man of Steel, where they're kind of like questioning what they should do. Uh, they mess up until like at the end, they've finally gone through that trial by fire and they've come out the other side as this hopeful beacon um, ready to go forward and be that hopeful beacon. And whether it's the sequel to the movie or just like the idea of what that could be um if you just want to look at the movie itself this might be a bold claim but down the road this could be my favorite batman movie because i just love the idea so much like those are always my favorite kind of stories of just people learning to go from you know bad slash gray area to hopeful fighting for good and that's what batman very very clearly goes through because he sees everyone else's humanity because he sees everyone else he doesn't want them to go down the same kind of path of hurt darkness and pain that he went down so yeah i really really loved that whole idea my very last thought is that i do not want the joker in a sequel i mean i don't mind them teasing it like that's fine with me it's more the thought of okay that's where they're gonna go like sure you you can kind of acknowledge that the joker exists because he's batman's greatest villain and maybe you can wonder at oh what did batman do to get the joker there in the first place but there's other just as uh, viable directions that they could go, I think. That scene didn't seem like it advanced anything thematically or story-wise for this movie. It just was like, hey, the Joker's here too. And that was it. The only real thing I saw coming out of that scene was like, maybe a setup for like a League of Supervillains, you know, mm-hmm. two movies down the road or something. Right, that's all it is, is setup and not anything for this. Any final thoughts? I, I think I've gotten most of it out. Uh, I think we're both overall very pretty pleased with it. Yeah, for sure. I Like I said, the more I talk about it, more I think about it, the more I like it. All right, so with all that, maybe uh, next time you can come back, we could do a podcast review of um, The Secret, Secrets of Dumbledore. That comes out like mid or late April, I think. Like I said, the podcast is going to be very irregular just when i feel like i want to talk to someone about something that's when i'll do the podcast so uh this was fun the batman was good thanks jake for coming on yeah anytime thanks to luke for making this podcast artwork thanks to laura for making the music and thanks to you the listener for listening until next time take it easy sweetheart <laughs>